local realtor, friend, and colleague, and I will actually let Carrie introduce herself and tell us what she does. Thank you for having me. So My excited pleasure. to be here. I am a real estate agent. I've been in the business since 2007, so 16 years. I've been full-time at it almost half my life and helping buyers, sellers, investors gain knowledge and add to their real estate portfolio. Amazing. And we are in Muskoka right now. We're in Bracebridge. How long have you been here? I've lived up here for about seven years. And prior to that, and I still have a property down in Erin, a triplex, which I still manage too. So Very a little cool. bit of both. Nice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Carrie has a good idea of real estate and is really well-versed in both the investing side personally and the purchasing side. So I brought Carrie here to talk a little bit about the TRESA regulations that have recently come out. They came into effect, I believe, December 1st, um, and they do actually really affect home buyers. So before we get started, Carrie, what is TRESA? TRESA. Trust in Real Estate Services Act. It was the updated version of our real estate legislation. It used to be REBA, Real Estate and Business Brokers Act 20, 2002. Mm -hmm. So it's updated. It's over 20 years old. Now it is including just clear definitions and more concise wording to help home buyers and sellers know what agents' obligations are and how we can better service them and just trying to clear up the muddy waters mm -hmm. so they know what exactly we're, we are going to do for them. So I'm hearing that it came about to kind of make things more streamlined and to make sure everybody, all parties are educated. Um, are there other reasons why it came about recently? I think there's also going to be some changes maybe with buyer representation and seller representation, just further defining who's paying who and how much. Mm. And I think we're going to see more of that coming down. Interesting. And let's put a disclaimer here. All of this legislation is new, brand, brand new. So of course, just like in the mortgage industry, things change, right? Yes, we are just learning and implementing, not just learning, just over the last month, we were really shown what all the rules are. And now we're implementing them in practice. And we are going to see some changes, more further clarification over the next couple of months to see how it's all actually working in practice. Mm -hmm. so. And in this instance, change is good, right? It gets us closer to um, an easy and educated transaction. Exactly. So everyone can know exactly what they're doing. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So let's start with offers. Having gone through um, a transaction during COVID, offers were just like a crazy time. And I'm hoping that maybe some of these changes will improve that experience for buyers. But you can tell me, um, what is an open offer? So the open offer process before it was blind bidding. Now we are going to experience something more transparent. I'm excited about it. And for folks who don't know what blind bidding is, what is that? That would be so prior to December 1st this year, we were having offers where you couldn't reveal the contents of any details of the offer. But if you submit an offer, 
on a property and there were several offers, you are entitled to know how many other competing offers there are. So that continues. You are still allowed to know, but now the seller at any time can decide, hey, I want to disclose the price, the deposit, the conditions, anything that doesn't disclose the buyer's information, like their address or their name. And they can decide to do this at any point. So I had a listing signed yesterday. We are going to be doing participating in the open offer, but they could also decide, hey, when we come, we actually get a couple offers. They could say, hey, yeah, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And they could change their mind at any point. Bless you. Wow. Thank you. Yes. So the seller then seems very in control of the information that's shared in that transaction. Am I right in saying that? They're in control of the decision to share that information. They don't, they cannot share that information themselves. It would be the agent that's representing them who would share it only to other buyers who are competing, other agents who are Mm -hmm. competing in that situation. And in your opinion, how does this affect the buyer? I think it might be easier for them because then they could see, hey, that offer, if the seller decided to disclose price, they could see, hey, the offer price is 590. I could do 600,000. I was pre-approved for that amount. I'm comfortable with that amount. Whereas before, maybe there were some buyers who were emotionally involved and they were like, I don't care. That was my grandma's house. I'm paying 60,000 over asking price. Mm-hmm. So if they went, you know, five or 650, so that would be, there was a difference there where that buyer didn't need to pay that extra amount. So maybe we're also going to get a more accurate market value for all these houses because they aren't being sold for astronomical amounts over asking price and skewing our market data. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that because during COVID you would see, oh, 300,000 over asking mm-hmm. price when it really was only worth maybe 50,000. And in the buyer's shoes, knowing only the number of offers. So say we were offering on homes that had 24 offers. So you know you're going to have to sweeten over the asking price, but how far? So knowing a little bit more about those particular offers would be helpful for the buyer. Um, The other question I have for you is conditions. Can the seller choose to divulge if there are conditions on the offers? Yes. And what those conditions are and what they would entail other than personal information about the buyer. So Mm -hmm. if the buyer had to sell their house, we wouldn't be disclosing that. But if the buyer wanted to place a financing condition, would you be able to disclose that? Yes, that they have a financing condition. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. something to keep in mind for buyers, especially first-time buyers. That's why it's so valuable to be pre-approved as well, to know if you could go in an offer Mm -hmm. without that or not. Mm -hmm. And let me put my mortgage agent hat on here. So for folks who are looking at making an offer with these new um, regulations, if you are in contact with your mortgage agent, you can have a stronger offer and then you can have a um, like a more airtight offer and you can know exactly what you can afford. Exactly. My next question, moving away from open offers, there's some terminology that's come out that the regular Joe Blow and honestly even mortgage agent might not know um, what it means. So we have a client And then we have a self-represented party. And then there's also designated representation. So can you provide some clarity on those three terms? Yes. So client is what a buyer seller will now be in order to receive services from a real estate agent, from a real estate agent. You can no longer just call up an agent and say, hey, I want to look at this property. You need to be now an official client 
of this agent before they can provide any services that rely on the agent's skill, knowledge, or judgment. So now agents have this RICO information guide, which we need to go over, which is outlining the terms of the agreement, which would be a buyer representation agreement or the listing agreement. And it has to have clear indication on who is getting paid by who, what happens in multiple representation where one agent is representing a buyer and a seller. So now buyers and sellers just, they need to decide right off the bat, hey, you're my agent, I wanna work with you. Let's sign the paperwork. And mm -hmm. then the agent will be representing your best interests from day one which is what you want. And how long does that agreement stand for? Every agreement would have its own limit, time limits in it. And they would also have uh, irrevocable times as well. Sorry, not irrevocable. They would have termination okay. clauses in there as well. So if a buyer was like, hey, I don't want to be in a situation where you are also representing the seller, that agreement could have a term in it that could say this cancels and the agent could just refer you to a different agent. So in the event that I'm not happy with the service that I'm being provided, then what protection is there for buyers who want to then maybe use another agent or go a different way? Each brokerage office has its own policies. Um, I was at a course last week where some agents were saying their brokerage policy was that they will not cancel contracts. That being said, if the buyer or seller isn't happy with their agent, talk to the broker of record who's the manager of that agent's office, and they can discuss with you mm -hmm. options. I, myself, if there's anyone unhappy in a contract, no problem. Like we can split ways. I'm not going to hold you mm -hmm. to this contract. So that will be different as well. Um, having a contract, and if there is someone who doesn't want to be represented, that would be a self-represented party. So they don't want to receive services from an agent. They want to represent themselves. Perhaps this would be a lawyer who is just like, hey, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Got this. I don't know why a lawyer would do that because they also know how much paperwork an agent mm -hmm. does. Um, another situation might be a for sale by owner, a mere posting where they're like, hey, yeah, no, I have my house for sale on my own. I just need an agent to provide one service to bring a buyer. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a gray area still where I... I don't know when people would be a self-represented party. We'll see how it all, again, plays out in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And just from experience, I mean, the service that a realtor provides is so invaluable just because much like the mortgage market, the, the real estate market is ever-changing. You can't really get a clear value of what you're offering on unless you have that back knowledge of comparables and that requires legwork and all these things that you're right the regular joe blow i don't think it would be advantageous to self-represent but of course there are going to be people who do that so um i would caution as a mortgage agent to think about that carefully because that's um it's a huge transaction and in my mind as much education support as you can have is really beneficial i completely agree and there is a separate RICO information guide for self-represented parties, which outlines all those services that they wouldn't be receiving from an agent and also the risks that they are now taking on themselves because they don't have errors and emissions insurance. They don't have a brokerage representing them and training them every week and all the legislation changes. Mm -hmm. But also on that note, a self-represented party can also at any time decide, hey, you know what? I do need to be represented by an agent. And then we can change everything and write down 
and get their agency relationship written down on paper mm-hmm. and just say, hey, I will represent you. So they do have that control and that um, kind of safe safe arm if they need to employ it to be able to um, retain an agent, right? Exactly. So then the third one is designated representation. The big one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the new term that came out. That would be, that is your person. That is your agent who is representing you. They are going to keep all your information confidential. They are going to always represent your best interests. It's very similar to signing a an agreement, an agency agreement with a client. You are forming that relationship. It's more defined when, say, I signed a listing agreement yesterday if the sellers decided, hey, I don't want to be in a multiple representation situation where you will also bring an offer with the buyer, I, I want to have you only as my agent. I'm like, okay. So that's a discussion we now have to have and write and haven't written disclosure about before we move further with a seller client. So let me let me kind of work that around in my mind. So that would look like if I was listing my home and the um, agent was working with a bunch of buyers and I had them as a designated representative, then they would not be able to bring their buyers to my home. Yes, somewhat, unless the buyers agree to it as well, that they could be in multiple representation situation. But we're trying to have less multiple representation. Um, British Columbia, for example, has limited that now mm-hmm. now they're trying to bring in the designated representation so that if there were two agents in one office one's representing the seller one's representing the buyer that's and they both bring an offer the buyer brings an offer and they're all in the same office that is multiple representation mm-hmm. as well whereas now both parties can't disclose what the other will sell for or go up to they also have to treat both fairly and impartial. So they're not getting the best advice necessarily. Whereas like, Hey, yeah, you know, I think this person could squeeze out a little bit more mm-hmm. or like they might go a little bit higher in a multiple representation. You cannot say no that. Cross-talk. No, you, yeah. you're like Switzerland. You're in the middle. You, I, I mean, I've done it. I can do it. You, mm-hmm. can, It's possible, but it can get a little gray. So they're trying to just clear it out and keep it. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, so the new rules have already come into effect. Is there anything upcoming, um, that we should know about anything that's going to change in the near future? I think we are going to see clear definitions on all of these terms again, and we might see changes again in the next year, just as all the agents are out and implementing all the new Mm -hmm. legislation and then talking to our office brokers or our you know, Rico presidents or whoever we need to talk to about it and just be like, hey, you know, this idea was good, but we need to fix it in some way. So, mm-hmm. which now we're just kind of. Likely insane. there will be little tweaks that come out that kind of grease the system and make it work a little bit better. Exactly. So all yeah. these definitions, they are what they are now in December, 2023, but they could change. Okay. Yes. Um. So let's talk about the first time home buyer. Um, we've seen so many changes. We've seen a lot of things throughout 2023 that have made it, uh, very difficult for first time buyers to purchase. We are hopeful. I say the collective, we economists, mortgage agents, realtors, everybody is hoping to see really healthy spring market, um, with 
some rate drops, uh, whether it be in the spring market or in the fall at the end of 2024, it's going to happen. So opportunity will be available for first-time home buyers. How will these new regulations affect a first-time home buyer? Somebody who doesn't have, I guess, property and the amount of equity that other buyers may have. I think with the RICO information guide and clear representation definitions, so client, the word client and designated representation, I think buyers are going to appreciate that, first-time buyers, knowing that they have someone in their corner who's going to be fully representing them, keeping all their information confidential, just says, we would have anyways, but now, now we're more obligated. We have to explain that to buyers, which is kind of what uh, Rico, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, who implemented these legislation rules, they just wanted buyers and sellers to just understand more what exactly we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I think this will define it. Everyone has their different style, right? Some real estate professionals are heavy on the education and some are a little bit more hands-off. So this kind of streamlines the experience, especially for first-time buyers, so they know that they're getting the information. Exactly. And setting the expectations right Mm -hmm. from the beginning. We just have to literally outline our services. We Mm -hmm. will be doing this, this, and this. If we don't, you can terminate. So just like a regular contract, I think that clarification for first-time buyers will be really beneficial. That's great. I love hearing that. Um, And yeah, I think the impetus to be um, pre-approved and to have all your finances on lock before you head out with a realtor now is even more important because everybody is going to kind of level up as a buyer, right? You're going to have more information. You're going to, and perhaps the seller will share more information. So yeah, you really need to have your T's dotted and your I's, no, your I's dotted, your T's crossed as a buyer, I think in 2024. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, this is my very last question. If you have anything to share, I would love to hear it. Anything that gives first-time buyers hope in Ontario right now, what are you looking forward to? I'm excited for the open offers so that first-time buyers, they know how much they're approved for. If they see, hey, you know, there was 10,000 over, there's an there's a chance for me to get that. And they know what they're approved for. They know they're not stretching themselves. They can visually see what the options are. I'm really excited for that, for the transparency of it, for people not feeling bad later and be like, hey, did I overpay? Because every time someone wins, they wonder if they overpaid. And it would be great for them to just know they didn't. They got a great price. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective. Yeah, it, it gives us a chance to be strong, to offer with your very best offer and to kind of know what it takes to get the deal done. Because that gray area or that like unknown is so difficult and even emotionally on buyers to to not know how much you lost out by and it's just yeah it's an unraveling from there but yeah it's tough yeah people can't sleep at night knowing like what is it five thousand dollars different or you know three hundred thousand difference like mm-hmm. it's yeah and it's december 2023 we don't need any more reasons not to sleep <laughs> yes right um so yeah carrie tell the good people where they can find you how they can get a hold of you I'm on Instagram, Facebook. You can find me at Carrie Clark Holmes, K-A-R-I-C-L-A-R-K. I I don't know if I should, too many ways to spell it. Also just call or text me and I will get right back to you. Amazing. And all of Carrie's information will be in the show notes. And I want to say thank you for joining me. Thank you. That was great. Bye.